Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast brought to you by Coronation.com and hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko. No Haas Reuter this week as he is being a diligent little student, a good soldier, if you will, and writing a paper uh, as we are recording. So I'm joined by uh, the lone individual on the Coronation staff without a Y chromosome. And uh, that's Jill Heemster. Jill, welcome, uh, really, for the first time ever. I, I know you, you did a, a, a very small bit a year ago at Christmas time for our Christmas wish list, but welcome officially to the Five Heart Podcast. Well, thank you, Greg. I feel like I've actually arrived, you know, being invited to be on the, <laughs> on the Five Heart Podcast. My, my, my career is done. John, I'm going to quit after this. There's no more. Don't do that. Don't. John, <laughs> she's kidding. She's kidding. <laughs> Um, so, uh, first of all, it, it's, it's great to have you. We should have been having these conversations numerous times. Um, so I apologize. I dropped oh, you shouldn't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just glad you asked and I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to mess this up. No, impossible. Uh, believe me, uh, I'm still here and, and all the times <laughs> that I screw up. So, um, let, let's get right down to it because you've been really, uh, <laughs> Folks, as we tend to do whenever somebody uh, comes on the podcast for the first time, we tend to to have our sad moments, uh, and, and the sad moments happened about four months ago uh, when we lost Brian. Um, there was a, a void uh, on the staff as far as duties, and uh, uh, you were a big part of you know picking up some of that slack and, and, and some of those responsibilities um, for, for maybe people who are, are you know, listen to the podcast or, or, and don't read as much coordination. What, what all, what, what all hats do you wear uh, at coordination.com? Besides the double X chromosome, but yeah, Brian's pretty irreplaceable. It took how many of us to divide up all of the things that, he did for coordination and so some of the areas where I've tried to fill in a little bit of the void or on the Facebook page um, I don't swear as much well Brian didn't swear that much so um, yes, that's John <laughs> anybody who goes back and listens to this old podcast there was you know I, I tried starting up a swear jar with him and he laughed at me so. <laughs> well, I grew up on a dairy farm, so I probably could have taught him how to do it properly <laughs> if, if we'd have taken the time to do that. But, um, but yeah, just trying to get some of the, the scheduling wrangled, getting things on the Facebook page, uh, trying to make sure that we, we had some, some semblance of organization. I mean, it, Brian did a lot, and, and he's missed, continues to be missed. Yeah, um, you know, every day um, – because he was he was like the generator, you know, on the in the Slack chat room and, and in there every day, and, and it, it might be 
July when there was nothing going on, but he'd be in there and, you know, just – he he helped make a, a group of people a community, and John had his purpose too. But it really, it was Brian. <laughs> yeah, we all know it was Brian. Yeah, <laughs> which is good because I don't think John listens to the podcast anyway. So, <laughs> well, good. Um, then. We're gonna get away with a lot because John doesn't listen to the show. Uh, all right, so I, I have carte blanche. I, of course, absolutely. Um, so, it, it, obviously, you know, as Husker fans, uh, or you know, we tend to do. We all throw our hat into the ring at, during the football season, but uh, and and we've got you know a few guys who cover men's basketball, but you are it as far as covering you know women's basketball, which is largely what we're going to talk about uh, this week, and which is really just going to be me asking questions and you talking. So I hope you're ready. I hope you have a, a glass of water or something. Uh, there it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that might have been a course banquet. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, oh, sorry, Haas. It's not a banquet. It's a light. <laughs> um, so, like I said, much of this is just going to be me asking questions. So I, I hope you're ready to carry the proverbial load and uh, and fill the listeners in on you know all all the, the Husker women's basketball knowledge that uh, they haven't been getting from a couple of guys who don't follow it as closely as they should. All right, we're going to have a five-minute podcast. No, it's going to be great. It's going to go at least <laughs> I, I guarantee it. Um, where I want to start is going back about two years ago with the uh, dismissal of, of Connie Yori and Resignation. And resignation. Mm-hmm. But under some inauspicious circumstances uh, because she, she did – whatever happened, uh, you know, off the court – she was a, a terrific coach, uh, it, it, you know, buzzer to buzzer or, uh, you know, tip off to buzzer. You know, she had these women prepared, ready to go, and they made some some postseason runs. So after her resignation, there was, you know, a coaching search and, and uh, someone hailing from the great state of South Dakota uh, who yeah, – <laughs> I'm pandering. Uh, <laughs> Except I'm a jackrabbit and we hired a, a, a coyote. <laughs> but I think you'll agree that the state of South Dakota is pretty great. Well, Nebraska, you know, we seem to take all of – we steal all of our basketball coaches from South Dakota. and We should just <laughs> consider South Dakota our feeder school for, for greatness in, in hoops. It, but much, you know – I, I heard something recently on, on the Big Red Copcast as I'm, you know, and, and I know we're probably not supposed to mention it, but they're still, you know, uh, Ryan and Pat are still good people and, and I enjoy their content. They were talking about, uh, you know, Scott Frost uh, homecoming and uh, they joked at one point about, uh, you know, uh, Tyron Lou, you know, the, you know, being the fan's choice if, if things go south to miles, Darren Erstad's back. Uh, but Amy Williams is a former Husker as well. Mm-hmm. And and is back. So it's there's something about coming home, if you will, uh, and and it seems to be you know the popular uh, popular move for for a lot of these coaches. So what about Amy Williams' resume? Uh, and 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 of course her ties to Nebraska. What made her a good fit for Lincoln? Yeah, she was. Um, you know, she was a. I believe in her career at Nebraska, she was a backup point guard. And I think it's sort of 
contractually obligated that backup point guards on these power five basketball programs go on to become head coaches, kind of like backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure, but Amy Williams, just based on her career before she got to even, even before she got to South Dakota, US University of South Dakota, she was building programs. She was starting from scratch and she has a winning record as a head coach even when she was walked into a school that never had a women's basketball program and I could be wrong on that but I'm pretty sure at least one of her stops she started the program and there's something about her style she's you know as I was watching last season the 2016-17 season which was her first one here you know I looked at her her career arc and it was really obvious why Nebraska tried to grab her and her ties to Nebraska also made it obvious why they would try to grab her. But I was watching the season. It was really hard to watch in a lot of ways because you knew there was talent. You could see the coaching pedigree, but it was all just a big blob of mess. And I don't know how often I put, I was complaining to all of you that this team shouldn't be this bad. And you just couldn't put your finger on it. There were good performances, and there were times where you'd watch a stretch of about five minutes of basketball, and you're like, if this is what she's going after, this is going to be beautiful to watch. And as the season went on, I, I started to see a few things, especially towards the end of last season. You could just feel a difference in the team. There was something, There was whether it was that dreaded buy-in, you know what you talk about when you have a new coach, but that it was a very different team towards the end of the season. And that's when I thought, okay, this is going to work. I think what I just witnessed this season was a coach saying, there's certain things I'm not going to compromise. All of you are going to do this my way or you're going to, you know, not win games. <laughs> right. And so I was, I was hopeful coming into the season because there's definitely talent. And she signed two players who are our current two freshmen. And with only two players, it was a top 20 class in the country. And at the beginning of the season, even after the train wreck that was last season, you know, they hadn't even seen the team on the court yet. She signed, I don't know if it was four or five players who are also so she, a top 20 class. So she assigned two consecutive top 20 recruiting classes to Nebraska with almost no real hope to go on. So if she can recruit like that when they were watching what I was watching last season, she's got something to sell. Mm -hmm. And and so her ability to motivate players, and, and these players, you watch them this season, they're bought in. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a Nebraska team that I've watched for a long time that's this bought in, this confident. So, And I watch some of these games, they're winning, some of these close games that they were winning when they were still transitioning from that team of last season that was trying to figure out how good they were to the team that we're watching right now. It's got some swagger. There was that in-between phase where they were winning because of some 
coaching. Amy Williams was putting them in the right position. She was making the right calls. And I'm not at all concerned about that part of the equation anymore. <laughs> she's, she's more than proven that she's, she's the kind of coach that we love at Nebraska. A couple of years ago, there was a, a highly, and, and I should say, not a couple of years ago, uh, last year, uh, there was a, a highly touted Nebraska freshman, you know, from mm -hmm. the state, uh, you know, a native, uh, native daughter, if you will. Yes. Um, and, and she's not on the team this year. And in fact, not at the university. And there was, that was played in, that was part of the issue to, to last year was not. I mean, we, it just seemed like there was a little bit, I don't, I, I, I hesitate to use the word drama because I think drama is a word that's overused in this situation, especially when talking about 18, 19, 20 year olds, because they're all drama and they're all headaches for some reason. Um, yeah. I was one, I'm sure. But, and, and I don't want to go be as brutal as to call it like a cancer in the locker room or anything like that. Um, again, they're 19, 20 years old and then they have the right to make, you know, the decision that they think is best for, for their careers, their lives. But there was something about that. There was a, a maybe a disconnect uh, between Amy Williams and Jessica Shepard that, that what could have been, I mean, I remember seeing, you know, the big 10 freshman of the year, big 10 player of the, or the week. I mean, uh, all, all these honors and accolades, but for whatever reason, it, it, there was just a personality clash or style clash that, that she did not, pan out in Lincoln as we look at last year to this year you know maybe it was the best you know for everybody involved but at the same time you look at someone as talented as she is and if she would have bought in perhaps I mean where they could have been at the end of last season and where they could have be right now well yeah that's one of those that's so hard to say what exactly went wrong and as you look at the, the what's happened since then, you know, Shepard left for Notre Dame and she's starting, I believe she's starting at Notre Dame and they're a top three team in the country and she is well on her way. And Nebraska has just made one of the most improved teams in the country. And the fact that Shepard stuck around for a year and gave the Williams coaching administration a chance and didn't, you know, bail right away you know, it probably says something that she was willing to make it work. And, and obviously Amy Williams was willing to make it work because Shepard was on the court a lot. I mean, she never got benched and she never got, uh, you know, it never looked like there was any kind of, um, you know, attempt to reduce her minutes. She was, she was on the court a lot, but like you said, there were just, it didn't sink for whatever reason. And, and it seems to be one of those things where everybody won by, moving on to a different uh, different situation. And because Jessica Shepard transferred, Amy Williams was able to pull in Kate Kane. We wouldn't have gotten Kate Kane, the, the current center. She's a freshman who's won four or five Freshman of the Week awards in the Big Ten right now. She's well on her way to smashing the school record and block shots for a season. Um, you know, we wouldn't have gotten Kane if Shepard was still here. So, and for whatever reason, Kane's style of play seems to fit in well with this team. Everybody won. We'll just call it good. Um, I don't know if there was actually any anything that was the matter other than they just couldn't make it, couldn't make a fit. So 
you know, I, everybody's happy. We'll just roll with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, you know, sometimes, you know, players move on and, and, and it is the best for, for all parties involved. As we look at this season, you know, there, there have been a few losses here and there, uh, you know, a, a close one in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. you got to go back to the end of November for that one-point loss uh, against uh, Clemson. Um, but mm-hmm. Big Ten play where, you know, for the most part, you know, especially in this conference where it matters, I mean, they, they've been really well. They played really well. They only have two losses, uh, both. The, the unfortunate part and kind of the oddball part is that they've both been at home, uh, Ohio State <laughs> and Michigan. Uh, Michigan game, of course, going to overtime. Um, but what I really want to talk about, and I think what every Husker fan wants to hear, is the thumping that they put on Iowa at Iowa City this past Sunday. Uh, and because I, I just I didn't watch the game, but I do remember you know watching your reading your updates in the in the Slack chat room, and I, th- I think you said that at halftime it was a forty point game or something ridiculous. Thirty, yeah, thirty. Yes, and 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 the the final score being an eighteen point win does not indicate how out of hand this game was at one point. Uh, 92 to 74, uh, the women getting it done. And that's, I mean, that's not a, a bad Iowa team. And, and, and I think, you know, people look at that dominance and say, oh, well, you know, make up any excuse they want. But that's an Iowa team that, that is pretty good. They're not ranked anymore, but they're pretty good. <laughs> they were ranked when Nebraska was playing them. And they had the game before they played Nebraska, they had knocked off, um, and I believe – they were at number 12 at the time, Ohio State. You know, one of the conference leaders, there's not many teams that knock off Ohio State. So this was not a bad Iowa team by any stretch. And for whatever reason, Nebraska came out in that game and just buried them. It was a 30-point lead at halftime. And at least three or four times in the second half, it got to be a 36-point lead. And at that point, you kind of wondered, what you know, what are we going to learn about Amy Williams at this point? Because Nebraska plays all 12 players. I haven't – I watched when Connie Yori was playing, and like you said, she was a great coach. Uh, but typically you'd see eight, maybe nine players – get any significant minutes, but Amy Williams rolls through her entire bench. All 12 players play as a general rule. And so it wasn't like Nebraska could just put in the subs because everybody plays. And you were kind of wondering what was what was going to happen next. Well, there was a lot of fouls. There was a lot of discombobulation. And so Iowa kind of fouled their way back into making it respectable in that fourth quarter. But it was a beat down like I haven't seen from this team almost since I've been watching them. They scored 56 points in the first half, which is the most they've ever scored in program history against a conference opponent. And you have to remember that, was it 2010-11, that season where this was a Husker team that was undefeated in the regular season, and they never even scored 56 points in a half against a team. And this came against a top RPI, a ranked team. This wasn't a bottom dweller. This was a top team. This is a team that is, you know, a few games ago before they hit this current stretch where they were playing all these ranked teams, I had 
seen enough improvement to feel confident that they were going to be in the running for some kind of postseason. I was guessing WNIT, but what they've shown the past four games is they're putting themselves into NCAA tournament consideration, which is maybe where I had thought they might get to next year. And right now they're third in the conference. They're um, a half game back from second, one game back from first, and I'd pick two years from now before they might be challenging for something like that. So they've grown a lot in three games. The, the 56 points in the first half against a, a quality Iowa team, that's more points than they scored when they beat Rutgers, you know, a, a week before, uh, mm-hmm. winning that one 52-42. And, and that was, you know, that's another Rutgers uh, team that was ranked. And, and you know, a lot of people think, you know, maybe forget about it now, but but I, I'll never forget about 11 years ago, I think, you know, Rutgers won the national championship. And, mm-hmm. and what's about that to me is that's when Don Imus, you know, got fired because he made an ignorant comment. Because Don yep. um, <laughs> yes. But, but if you even go prior to that week, I mean, Nebraska beat Iowa, swept Iowa in, in a, you know, 12-day span. Um, and, and when they won at home, it was, you know, a nine-point win. But then to go on the road, like you said, and just dominate 56 points, there, there's, you know, teams out there who aren't going to score 50 points or 56 points in a single game all season long. And, and that just shows how, you know, the, the depth, the ability. I, I mean, I, I, I run out of adjectives to describe that type of offensive performance. Yeah, well, you have to even think a little – well, right now this team is 8-0 and in true road games this whole season. I mean, I don't know how often you ever see something like that, but that's pretty remarkable. And when you look at this team, the moving parts, this is a really young team. This is one of the least experienced teams in the Big Ten coming into this season. And, and you can imagine last year they were even younger. Um which was part of the train wreck. But some, you know, like a year ago, for example, senior Jasmine Sincor, she's, she was a, always been a good defensive player, always been a hustle player, but you never really counted on her for much for points. This season, she has stepped up and she's, and it, it seems like you don't know where the offense is coming from from this team because if somebody's having a bad night, somebody else just steps up and starts scoring. And it's remarkable. And Sincor is one of those players that stepped up. And I, I you know, I expected some of the defense we've seen from her, the senior leadership. She was she must have been challenged by Amy Williams. I would assume Williams is that coach that would ask her senior leaders to do this. And this was also a team that was fairly injured early in the year. You know, they're shorthanded. There's only 12 on the roster, and they were injured a lot. They, I don't know how many games in it was before they actually could play a starting lineup that they have stayed with. And early on, freshman Taylor Kissinger, who's like a five-star, not like, who is a five-star recruit, also a Nebraska native, she was starting early in the season but then had a knee injury, and Sincor has – come in and, and played and played so well that they haven't had to rush Kissinger back into the lineup. They're able to bring her off the, the bench as a, a scoring threat at will, essentially. And you look at one of the most brilliant moves I think Amy Williams has done this year is um, Maddie Simon, 
her first two she her first two seasons in Lincoln she played guard and as a high school player in Nebraska she was Nebraska's player of the year as a guard and she's six foot two and so you thought there was a lot of advantage to having a six foot two guard in women's basketball but sure. as you wa- watched her play it just she wasn't quite making the transition to the the college game for whatever reason she made she was turnover prone throwing the ball inside I'd watch her and I think and she had a nice three-point shot at times you know she looked comfortable she looked athletic but for whatever reason she just wasn't blossoming at the college level and towards the end of last season I was watching and I I was like am I seeing this right are they actually playing her at forward are they putting her inside and and she was showing a real knack for getting rebounds. And she was showing, and she's a, she's not a built like a typical post player. She's a skinnier player, but she's mm-hmm. spent some time in the weight room this summer. And, and she's quite possibly the most improved player in the Big Ten. She's a, I mean, this team plays differently when she's not starting. And there was one game where she hurt an ankle in warmups and didn't play. And you know, you could see a little bit of a difference in the team, but of course that's going to happen when you lose a starter in pregame warmups. Right. But, but moving somebody who's played guard all of her life was a state player of the year at guard halfway through her college career. And then to have her blossom like she has says a lot about, I think the coaching and a lot about the player. I mean, a player to make that adjustment and really take to the coaching shows kind of what kind of people are on this, this women's basketball team. Seems like Maddie in that case, uh, you know, understands that for maybe for, for the team to get the most out of her and for her to be at her best, you know, maybe a, a change was necessary, a change in, in a position. Going back to Taylor Kissinger, uh, you know, a five-star mm-hmm. recruit, probably, and this is no disrespect to any of the previous athletes that came out of the fair town of Minden, Nebraska, but probably safe to say the only five-star athlete ever to come out of Minden? I would guess so. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I would, I would I would suspect so. I want somebody to correct me on that because that means that somebody's going to be paying attention. <laughs> um, so we know as we record this, uh, it's the day before the Illinois game. Um, and, and of course that game will, uh, been taken, ha- had taken place by the time this, uh, drops on Friday morning. Um, Illinois is an, another team that you just never know what to expect from them, but it, it's kind of the way things have been in the big 10, uh, for Nebraska. It's, uh, you know, you, you gotta show up. I mean, there's no, no easy games, no cakewalks. You got to show up and play every night. Yeah, the Big Ten, as far as the women, aren't considered to be down as much as maybe the men. I don't think they have quite as much in the top 25 as maybe they have in some years. But right now, I think if you look on the the different bracketology uh, predictions, the Big Ten has like seven in the tournament with another one or two in the first four out. So this is not a conference that's to be trifled with. This is a grind. And we're watching a young Husker team that wasn't supposed to be this good this year doing things like drop 90-some points on a ranked Iowa team. <laughs> and, you know, they they won three straight against ranked opponents, and it would have been four in that Michigan game, except that there was a – bad call at the end where a Husker player was called for a foul 
replay showed she had a pretty clean block. The game, the Michigan player made the free throw, sent the game into overtime, and the Huskers lost. You know, but you also heard Amy Williams talk afterwards where she had been telling her team, we can't even give the appearance of a foul. You know, we've got to do that. So she was coaching pretty hard, and, and you can't put yourself into a situation like that because you can't let it <laughs> go to the refs. But this is a team that um, is – Nebraska is, already has a win. Go on. I say this, you can't put yourself into a situation where the refs decide it with a call. You know, you have to have to win decisively. And Nebraska did a lot, and I think they learned a lot about themselves in that game, and it gave them the confidence in the games they had after that. As I mentioned, uh, facing Illinois uh, the first day of February, already with a win over uh, the Illini uh, back on the 10th of January, an eight-point win. Uh, in Champaign, uh, so this one back home. In fact, uh, the next three are at home, and uh, four of their last seven are at home. So, uh, folks, go on out and uh, treat yourself to uh, some women's basketball uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, over the course of uh, the month of February. And, Jill, hope that we can talk again when it becomes Big Ten tournament time because expecting uh, this group of young ladies to make some noise. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch. They've got a couple of tough games coming up. I mean, Maryland is generally, I think they're the three-time defending conference champions. They're generally a top five recruiting class. So that, you know, the Big Ten bat, women's basketball was pretty good before Rutgers and Maryland joined. And, and those teams just elevated it even further. And so the Huskers have two against a very tough team coming up and, and, they're actually starting to lead me to believe they can make some noise. I don't know if they'll pull them off against Maryland, but um, they're, they're a team that I'm now giving them a shot, whereas a few games ago I would have said, well, they'll be competitive. So, yes, it'll be fun to watch, and it'll be fun to see if they can grab a couple in the Big Ten tournament. Right now they're in position to get a double bye, and they're receiving votes in the polls. So it's uh, – it's been a, a fun season to watch this team grow and develop confidence. And, uh, folks, Maryland, the, the first of two games against Maryland is this Sunday, February 4th, 2 o'clock at Pinnacle Bank. Uh, go out there, and, and as, as we tend to say uh, in, in Husker fandom, wear red and be loud and uh, show out for uh, the, the ladies. They definitely have earned and deserve your support and uh, – uh, Totally thrilled that uh, you, Joe, were able to visit with me on and, 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 uh, the Five Heart Podcast this week and uh, and uh, share your wisdom because I learned a lot. And uh, uh, looking forward to, like I said, looking forward to tournament time where we can do it all again. All right. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate you asking me to be here. Maybe Haas next time won't have a paper that he had three weeks to work on and is saving most of it for the night before. Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting tired of these. I've got classes and Grades to worry about, excuses he has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, just finish up your degree already. <laughs> I'm sure he, as he listens to this, he can be like, I'm trying, guys, come on. <laughs> um, Jill, will you help me as uh, everybody always does and help me get out of the podcast? Sure. All right, you know what to say, right? No, no. Brian's, Brian's final WTDG. Oh, win the damn game. 
Well, you got to let me do my part before you do your part. Sorry. I'll Leave say go big. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll do my part, and then you'll do your part. And Don't feel bad. I, I've got to coach everybody through this. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm Greg Mahochko. That's Jill Heemstra for the Five Heart Podcast, coronation.com, jitterymonkey.com, reminding you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Thank you.